They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me. I'm David Goldberg. These are the luminaries. Acting as a sort of Hunter S. Thompson for the Bushwick rave milieu, the comedian Ben Leary brings an original point of view to queer comedy. He joins me to talk about his evolution as a performer. I hope you enjoy. Ben Leary, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Oop. And I, oop. <laughs> I'm drinking a canned matcha. Which goes, which is kind of the uh, taking a break from Yerba Mate, which is your your kind of signature. My too. That's more for like later in the night. <laughs> That's when I have some business to do. <laughs> some the, deals. <laughs> some deals to make on the dance floor. So I want to talk about um, recent events because I feel like <laughs> anytime you have a week where you have a lot of your own shows, like this week where you have two of your own shows, yes. you somehow tend to party harder almost like it's you I've never really seen much of a balance happening with you (laughs) no I it's not my fault (laughs) it's sort of a combination of just people saying you know this weekend's gonna be time to go off and I can't say no there's a call there's a call and the call is coming from inside the house (laughs) it's me saying no sleep as Lady Gaga famously said um, bus, club, another club, another club, train. <laughs> um, yeah, I need prison. to personally um, reevaluate my priorities and maybe time manage more. But I will say on the record that I'm having a lot of fun. And one feeds the other, I think. One feeds the other. Also, yeah, there's like a. When you haven't slept in a while, there's like a manic energy on stage. And I think that adds to like the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so recently you... Okay, well, first of all, um, we are speaking in advance of the second edition of The Minx, which is your show with Mark Stoll, the gay burp. Yes. Uh, and you recently encountered the kind of patron saint of the show, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, so The Minx is a comedy show sort of centered on the idea that there are stairs um, and there's faux <laughs> fur. And basically the premise is that we do walk down the stairs in faux fur. Um, <laughs> and many permutations of that. And many permutations of yeah, that. Yeah, and um, kind of a discourse around that. Discourse of that. It's sort of like, it's sexy, it's um, diamonds, <laughs> it's... Um, yeah, it really does. It's very easy to write the bits for the show because it is just such a specific voice. Yeah, and, and there's um, a lot of possibility there. Yes, but every show we are honoring what we call a maxi mix. Um, a mix who came before us, who sort of encapsulates the spirit of the show. And the inaugural mix, um, one of my favorites, was... Um, Jennifer Coolidge. Historic. Historic. And so we honored her at our last show. We read a quote from um, Best in Show. And then last night, or... (laughs) And then at this party, we... A woman turns up in a leopard fur coat and a black veil. And I said, oh my God. (laughs) And it was Jennifer Coolidge. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was buzzing. 
So you like it's manifesting. Yeah, I think, and the one for this week is Mariah Carey. So <laughs> <laughs> who knows what will happen this month? <laughs> Hopefully, we can manifest that. I would love to get a photo with all of us together eventually. <laughs> For like a year, just have all the girls. Right. Well, well, once you have the first yeah. season of the TV show wrap of the yeah. Max. Quibi. <laughs> I think it's HBO Max. I really do. Mm. I would love HBO Max. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? Um, just, you know, again, speaking of networks that don't exist yet. Um, yeah. And it's HBO Max, Maxi Minx. HBO honey. Max the Minx. It just sort of. Uh, the name of a show is 90% of the show. Same with children. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think this would actually work really well. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Sorry for the psycho energy. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. So I want to talk about the nightlife comedy journey because mm-hmm. there's a lot of aspects that I want your opinion on. First of all, to differentiate... Right now, specifically in Brooklyn, there's some sort of a merging going on where gay comedians are now becoming nightlife figures. And we love and celebrate that and live with the consequences of that. Yes. But you actually are a nightlife, like a real nightlife person at like a true, I don't want to say club kid because they're awful, but you are a like child of the nightlife who went into comedy and is now like witnessing this bizarro uh, planets merging. Merging. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say, like, um, I feel like I go out a lot. I don't think I'm, like, in the community, I would say. <laughs> um, I'd like to be if anyone wants to, you know, hang. <laughs> no, I hope you never become one of those people. Well, I don't have it. I don't have enough creativity fashion-wise. I do celebrate, like, what they do, like, to do that every weekend and, like, put those looks together. I think that's admirable. Right. I'm just there to show up and have fun. But it is, like, it is interesting to see... Well, I think the whole, like, like, comedians, it's, like, it's changing so much in terms, like, everyone's sort of a multi-hyphenate. And also, especially with gay comedians, it's, like, you wouldn't think to see them out all the time, but now I feel like everyone is... There's more convergence mm-hmm. which i think is fun because also even like um the comedy shows themselves are becoming almost eventized right. there's music now there's dancing um there's djs <laughs> there's photographers it's like <laughs> i think everyone's just going bigger and bigger and so we're having a comedy boom and also i think there's like a nightlife boom in new york right now I mean, I haven't been around enough to say a lot on that, but I do feel... No, there is. It's really... It's really popping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did kind of come out of nowhere, too. Yeah. And I, I, it's crazy because I remember, like, when $3 Bill started, which... Whatever. The <laughs> destiny of $3 Bill remains to be seen, but when they first opened it, it was like, what are we even doing? Who fucking cares anymore? And now there's, like... The, the, you put your phones away in these little... Packets, nothing on the dance floor. God, that didn't last. (laughs) Don't take the phones away from the gays. They were so self-serious. Yeah. That's what I hate about nightlife. What are you going to do carrying around, like, a pouch? Oh, I know. How gauche. (laughs) (laughs) R.A.P. Sutherland. Um, 
She's in a better place. Yeah. But yeah, there is this kind of resurgence and like I you have introduced much of the world to Unter um, and like that I didn't even there weren't that many after hours parties that I knew of Mm -hmm. until recently yeah I mean I can't speak on like the history of New York nightlife but it does I mean like the techno scene and other scenes I mean it's so big in Europe it's only Mm -hmm. a matter of time that comes to New York and I think especially with, like, establishment of new spaces, um, like Basement. Mm. Love Basement. We love um, And all these, like, random little warehouses popping up, I think. Um, yeah, it's, like, a very interesting time. And, like, I, like, I wasn't into techno music. Like, I was a very much, like, a, I need lyrics. I need, like, a bop. I Same. need Kim Petrus. And then it took me, like, a little bit to get into it. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is everything I wanted and more because everyone stays out so late and you go so it's so fun. So I think um, the audience is there. They just sort of need to be introduced a little bit. Yeah. At my old age, I think you're teaching me to because I've been such a fascist for lyrics, which I'm realizing is more yeah. of like a head cognitive experience of partying and techno and like just whatever pots and pans is more like a bodily sensation which is more difficult to access for some of us yeah you should get a little entranced in it yeah (laughs) supplements (laughs) not all the time um when did you when did you move to new york and when did you get into partying And, like, when did you get into the know? Because I think when you first move here, there's a phase where you're, like, you don't know where to go. And now you're, like, an Unter VIP. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but um, Or an Unter brand ambassador, at least. <laughs> <laughs> for Yeah, for the specific comedy community, maybe. Um, I just... So, high school... We're just going to go all the way back. Yes. <laughs> Um, high school, um, I really hated high school. The first two years were, like, god-awful. I had, I went to an all-boys school, which was... What? I know, isn't that crazy? That's so weird. Was that gay? Eighth, no. Oh. Eighth graders should not be in charge of, like, huge formative decisions in their life. Yeah, self-governing. Um, it's like, oh, it's a good school. I was, like, a nerd. (laughs) It's like, yeah, it's a good school. Um... So I went, and it was awful. I had, like, no friends, because all my friends were girls who I went to different schools. Um, and then uh, junior year on Netflix, I ordered the DVD for Skins. Okay. Skins UK. Um and I was like absolutely obsessed, and I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to be on Skins, like Skins needs to be my life. And then... Wow, the piercings, the warehouses, uh, the colors, all of it, I see it, yeah. They're going out. Um, And then, so I did that, and then junior and senior year, I was bopping all about town, doing all sorts of things, but like more low-key, and then I went to school in Ohio. Hot. I know, we're going, <laughs> the decisions I make sometimes. Um, 
But everything closed. I was like, it's college. We're going to go out. We're going to have fun. But everything, like, shut down at 2. And I have... Um, I was deciding whether to go abroad. And I wanted to go abroad for a year. And I was really worried about it because I was like, I'm going to miss out so much, like, at college. But... I would go out, and these things get shut down at 2 a.m., and I have notes in my phone that were like, this is absolutely absurd. This is a hellscape. You need to go abroad for a year because you have to be able to go out past 2. Um, and then, so I'd read those when I woke up in the morning and be like, okay, I got to get out. And then um, did that for a year. Where did you go abroad? Um, I went to Prague for a semester. Not the greatest for nightlife. Yeah. <laughs> but I did bus to Berlin alone. Yes. Multiple times. Yeah. And that was really fun because we would like, you go to the hostel, you would form like a crew, mm-hmm. and then you would go out and then go back to school. <laughs> yeah. I, before I went to college, I was in Israel for a year. Yeah. And yeah, it was like out every single night. And even when they forced us to live in Jerusalem, that fucking terrible place, I would take a Sherut, which is like a like a cab van, like a lift, like a lift line, basically to Tel Aviv every night and go out every night. And I just thought that was de rigueur. Like I'm 18, I'm gonna stay out till six every night. And then I made a horrible choice, which was to go to school in Boston. And Mm. I just remember feeling like time slowed down. And everything was pathetic, and going out was an embarrassment. Yeah, and I just I wanted to hang myself. It was uh, so I understand. Yeah, and we Prague is the Boston of. I know it's it's old and provincial. A little bit. Yeah, but Berlin, (laughs) and I love those hostel moments. Stereotype, but it is it's fun. (laughs) And listen, you were going to Berlin back when it was hot. I'm like now when every gay in Bushwick is going. It's like, let's do a weekend in Berlin. (laughs) Fire Island is closed. (laughs) Um, I love those hostile moments too, because like everyone's on a weird international phone plan. So people are just like down to hang out. Down to hang out. Somehow being like, oh my God, you're from France. You speak French. Mm -hmm. Like really riles people. They're like, this Ooh. is so cool that we're doing, like, international exchange. Yeah. Um, There's always, like, a middle-aged woman from Colorado who, like, just quit her job and, like, decided to see the world. She's ready for a change. And you're like, go off, let's hang. Or an Irish girl who strips across Europe and that's where she lives. And I thought she was iconic. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then to go back to the original question... Um, Am I, like, in the mic enough? Do you know? Just keep going and I'll tell you. Okay. I'm talking right here. Am I in the mic? Gorgeous. Um, To go back to the original, like, question, I moved here May 2017 after college. It's been, like, two and a half years. And I moved here and I didn't have, like, any really gay friends. So it was a lot of, like... Me hanging out with my straight female friends, which we love. But I was always like, so what if we don't go to the East Village tonight and we go to, like, a gay bar? <laughs> Very that. Um, what if, like, the night doesn't end with with a girl crying and you have yeah. to, like, console them? Um, yeah. So I initially went to Metropolitan first, and then I found the Rosemont, and mm. then there's the other bill. 
and then all these other parties, and then well, now I am where I am, and it's the whole mix of it. And you're surrounded by gay boys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Take Which your back. Fun. All sorts of people. Um. Yeah. And anyways, I, listen, something I've noticed about you, which we've talked about, is I do feel like your a lot of your comedy that I've seen, there is this aspect of you kind of coming back from the front lines of like, I was just in this dungeon party at 6 a.m. Um, and like kind of giving us this very casual account as if we were just there with you, which is kind of a new dimension because yeah. I do feel like a lot of gay comedy it's like well in the past has been trying to be palatable to straight people this is like I don't even it, it this is like you telling the truth of your social world which is a fascinating world and I'm just curious like when those two started to merge for you um yeah I think so I've been doing stand up I started doing it when I was 17 Oh. Yeah. Um, Where? High school, there was, like, co- like um, coffee houses at all these schools where you could, like, people could sing or people could, like, um, perform something. And wow. I was, I had gotten, like, a little bit into comedy. I, like, listened to, like, Tig Notaro's album, Amy Schumer's album, John Mulaney, and I was like, I like this a lot. And then I started just doing it in a way that when you're like that age you're like I can just do anything Ugh, I love I know and I, I don't know what possessed me to be like yeah I'm just gonna talk for 15 minutes on, about this material I have not rehearsed before <laughs> the actual gumption of that all um so I started doing it that and then college I took a break because then I was like who what are you <coughs> to be up there like who are you to be up there saying stuff um and then I started doing it in New York a little bit. And I think it just sort of clicked a lot more when I went, like, more personal or, like, more, like, intensely personal is when I felt the best. It was, like, the best route for me and got, like, the best response. So naturally, um, all those nights sort of come out of it. And you have to, like, there's a lot of really good gay comedians. And I think what's really nice about the scene now is that you don't really need to play for straight people because there's right. so many spaces that is just like you walk in and it's just like it's all the dolls <laughs> <laughs> and, <we're> all, <clears throat> and they all get it so um, there's like I feel like I have more freedom to like talk about stuff that I actually want to talk about and that is going out or maybe that sounds bad, but <laughs> um, yeah, I think it just helps also like differentiate me from everyone, every other brunette, white, gay comedian. What is, you know, I have such a specific aged view of the whole scene now because like I, I don't know, I, I will, haven't been there since the beginning, but mm-hmm. I was definitely there when it was more... Um, like this small clicky thing and now it's so expansive and broad and exciting and there's so many different voices and I'm just curious like when you emerged into this world and since like what the scene felt like for you did it feel 
expansive? Did it feel closed off? Where do you think it's going? Like there's – it isn't – we none of us knows what's going to happen because there's so yeah. many gay multi-hyphenates now. We're all just like – it's kind of an embarrassment of riches, but no one really understands what it means. Yeah. Um, I mean for me, also like kind of why I took a little bit of a break from doing stand-up. I did like sketch in college, but stand-up I didn't really start doing until senior year is because I didn't – like, see myself in the stand-up community at all. Like, it was, like, the very traditional view of, like, there's a man in, like, a black T-shirt and, like, dark wash jeans that, like, crumple up the leg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shivers. I was like, and there, I mean, there is no, like, uh, gay comedian on the front lines, really. But then after junior year, I was, I came to New York to do an internship for the summer and then that's when I saw John Early's, um, I think literally me, his mm. um, one-man show. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's like, yeah, I was like, it just like was a moment where I was like, oh, people are doing exactly like what I would love and like what I want to be doing. And so I truly followed John Early around. Like, I must have gone to like 20 of his shows around mm. New York. Um, like Showgasm and Cake Shop, yeah, um, with wow. Jacqueline, yeah, and Kate, and then through sort of accessing those people, <clears throat> then you get sort of like um, there's also like Patty Harris and there's mm-hmm. also Catherine Cohen. There's like that whole group, and slowly, the more shows I went to, the more people I saw, and like the more the scene like opened up, and I was like, I absolutely have to be a part of this. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, and now I think I think that happened for a lot of people because I think now they're getting so exposed that people are seeing themselves all over. And I think everyone, I mean, you can, like, you can't throw a rock without hitting, like, someone who's like, yeah, I think I'm going to try stand-up stuff. I know. <laughs> Do you know have any good mics? Oh, that's another thing. Um, I think the open mic scene... Um, there's like groups like Open Flame, groups that have been established right. like Ladies Who Ranch and like SUP, I think really created a a space where um, queer people and um, uh, f- uh, female com- mm. <laughs> a space for like queer people and female comics to feel safe to like yeah. work stuff out. Because I, when I moved here and I was like, okay, now I'm going to do it. I went to, like, two open mics, one at the creek in the cave, Oof. one at the pit. Oof. It was so heinous. It was worse than I ever imagined. I took six months off after that because I was like, I just don't know how to get in because I can't do this. And I think those spaces have opened up, um, and they've really allowed people to. There are some scumbags. <clears throat> yeah. We forget, too. Yeah. It's just, it should be a space where people feel safe telling jokes about their life without being absolutely dragged through the mud, ridiculed, or, like, exposed to and homophobia like, and sexism. Yeah, we can complain about, like, every gay wanting to be a comedian, but, like, I had, I was out having a nice lunch, and I got kind of accosted by this straight scumbag who started explaining to me how Hillary, all the conspiracy theories about Hillary Clinton, blah, blah, blah. And of course, at the end of the conversation, and you know where this is going, (laughs) 
yeah, I do some comedy, um, yeah. you know, and then it starts, and I'm like, you should not be allowed to do comedy. Like, this is dangerous. I know. I think, hopefully, like, the, the tide's turning a little bit. Yeah. Um, with everyone just being like, we're not going to tolerate it. Because it's like, it's always weird, like, I feel like they're like, you're going to get initiated into comedy by doing these awful, awful open mics for years and just be like, it's, soul destroyed. Uh, soul destroyed. I'm like, it's comedy. Why does it have to be so awful? Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it just it just goes to, like, people want to do it, and then, like, I'm not going to be PC. I'm going to, like, go off, but then they go really off. <laughs> and that's not, like, playing as much anymore because people can be funny without that. So as we're in this new age where... If you you have the option to not look like a scumbag when you perform, you actually have the option to like kind of give a fantasy. <laughs> um, you have a very specific wardrobe, and I want to talk about how wardrobe has played into your uh, performance journey. Um, yeah, I think. Well, you're you're being asked to like perform for people like. I don't know. I think you should look nice. I think you should like put Thank effort you. into like people are sitting down to like hear you talk about yourself for like 10 minutes. Some comedy shows are not that fun. Like they're really <laughs> taking a risk. Like show up, put some effort in it. Um, yeah. And I think in some ways, like since stand up is. It's sort of like a character, or as you keep going on, you find, like, your shtick, and you find, like, who you are on stage, and it's a little bit separate. It's kind of like you, but it's a little bit separate. But if it's a character, well, it needs a costume. Honey. (laughs) And also, I I don't know, I find it, I think it's fun. Um, So, not that everyone has to, like, turn a look every show. I just think it's personally fun, and I think it can, like, help aid the joke because you if you are going against this idea of comedians dressing and acting a certain way you forget that a lot of people don't know what's happening you know in the fun queer scene they're expecting that right so the way that you like sort of off the bat you're like this is gonna be a little bit different this is gonna be like a little bit more fun you just like walk on stage and you i don't know because like when you have like Catherine cohen walks on sequin dress you're like oh it's a star Mm-hmm. And then you have like her whole, her whole persona. It just works so well, and like I think that's like one less um, barrier of entry. Or like Julio, Sydney and Marie, too. Sydney and Marie. It's like uh, absolute icons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think like you walk on stage, and then people are like, "Oh, I sort of get where you are," and they they can meet the joke a little bit easier. I mean, that's just my theory. So if I like walk on in, like, a little ensemble looking like I'm about to... <laughs> about to clock 10 miles <laughs> um, in a dungeon, like, then people are, like, accept it a little bit more when I'm, like, I do this. Yeah, the other night, your look was very um, Jennifer Garner alias season three <laughs> when they go to when they go to Berlin undercover and they're goths, but they're like two thousand three goths. So and she's of course in leather pants and like ready to run down a long hallway. That's very you. Yeah, I've never seen that show, and I think I don't know. It does feel like very. <laughs> yeah, it's you. 
Um, there's if you just watch the Mad TV alias sketch, that's actually all you need. That's all I need. Yeah, okay. I will look it up. I watch it like once a week. So always looking for inspo. Speaking of wardrobe, something that happened to me that I experienced this mm-hmm. week as we end the as we end the decade, I want to think about this. Is something that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, Melissa Stokowski, mm-hmm. former guest, and I went to. Uh, see Peter Smith and Sandy Honig's bongo hour at the Slipper Room, famed New York venue. After the Slipper Room, I, after the bongo, I assume they had some cabaret show because it's like a that sort of venue. And these people came in who were like wearing this like really costumey, old timey furs, and like the dude had one of those stupid mustaches. That curls at the end. Yes, and oh. like the woman had this very like flapper esque look. Yeah, and. Let me just state, Melissa Stokowski and I were both wearing fur coats, okay? But. <clears throat> essential. Essential. Um, and I am, like, the biggest advocate for, like, dress every, dress like you're in a movie every day. Like, yeah. be cinematic, be you ridiculous. Too. Thank you. <laughs> That's very recent. But there was something about this. When the woman walked in, she was, like, looking around the room, and she, like, tried to make eye contact with me, and she kept, like, smiling at me as if, like, she was playing this role of this, like, mix, but not a real mix. I know the difference. Where she was, like, playing this role, and I would give – I gave her nothing. I just – I gave her, you know, daggers. I was I was yeah. horrified. And I was trying to understand what the difference was, and, and I've been thinking, like, maybe there's this thing this decade of, like – Burning Man cosplay mm-hmm. and like this um, this sense of like using wardrobe to give yourself a personality when you don't have one yeah. rather than what I maybe am deluding myself into thinking I do or what other people I know like real New Yorkers do which is like just being fabulous <laughs> but I don't know if that's like too fine a line to tread or whatever yeah I mean because you're like I don't want to be like exclusive but I think there is like maybe it's like the maybe it's like the difference between like living it and then sort of like just like popping in for a night. Like it's Ooh. very kind of like I did go to House of Yes for the first time because um, my friend from LA was in the air here and he wanted to go. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> but it did feel what it felt like is I I walked into a space. That was full of straight men in gay man drag, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of haphazard glitter, a lot of like um, foil esque looks. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Not, yeah. I don't want to be like elitist or anything, but like I think there is a sort of like, um, there's like the lived in experience that comes with it, and then there's sort of like the, I'm just going to be fucking crazy. Yeah. Sort of like, I don't know. I mean, House of Yes, to me, represents such a specific time when I worked at Time Out. Like, Mm -hmm. that is such of that era. But I also remember I went to kind of a sexy party at Lot 45. Uh, Interesting. It was one of those lust dinners. Did you ever go to those? No. It's where people, like, eat off of naked bodies. Oh, okay. And... All the people there, I did not – I thought that the people who work there were actual exhibitionists, like the mm-hmm. people on staff and the naked bodies. But all the people who attended were like lived in Murray Hill, very wealthy, and yeah. like wanted to ex- have an experience yeah, in Bushwick. Yeah, um, 
tourism. It's tourism. Gay tourism. Yeah. Or queer tourism. Yeah. Or sensibility. Nightlife tourism. Um, yeah. So I think there is like a sort of, because also like it takes it takes a little effort to sort of make those like make it feel lived in, and I think like it's very much like it takes a little while, and you need to practice a little bit because God knows the outfits and things I've worn in my past, just trying to figure shit out. Same, truly. I mean, college, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess it's just a difference of like. Again, putting effort in or, I don't know. Speaking of that, there's been, you know, $3 bill has kind of been a bit of a battleground because we often have um, the Bushwick girls, some Mm -hmm. of the dolls, you know, some of the dolls from the Playhouse. Mm -hmm. We know them, we love them. Um, And whenever there's these kind of bigger mega parties, they're often clashing with um, some Hell's Kitchen boys who, you know, just want to take their tops off and have a good time. (laughs) And sometimes it does feel like they are coming to Bushwick for this, like, experience that could be theirs but isn't because Mm -hmm. they've sold out and there's, like, a bit of a culture clash, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I like like the idea of people sort of merging the Manhattan-Brooklyn bridge a little bit more. Um, But it does... There's a little bit of that. I I don't mind it too much. I do feel it's like, oh my God, everyone looks <laughs> really good. But it's great for like sex parties because then they all have sex with each other and the dance floor is open. <laughs> There's more room on the dance floor. And, and that's what we're pushing there. for. And that's what I, it's <laughs> my campaign. More room in the dance floor. Because <laughs> then you can do kind of more high kick work. You can yeah, do kind of more spins. spins. Um, yeah. I was spinning a lot on Friday Oof. with you and Melissa. That was really fun. It was fun. Yeah. I want to know what that DJ is. And they had a great, um, this was at Harder, which I hosted and I'm still yeah. bitter about because I thought I was going to get paid, which apparently I should not have expected that. Did you even get a drink ticket? No. Uh, I know. So. Anyways, he's going to get a lot of passive aggression from me. Anyways, I was at Harder, um, Justin Strauss, I think, or maybe it was another DJ. But they had a great backroom area, and you're yeah. right, it did it did kind of create a nice harmonic ecosystem. Yes. And you were wearing your new ASOS boots, which which really you could do a lot of work with. Absolutely. A lot of kits. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're great. They have a huge platform, so it's like it roots me to the ground, and you can really just sort of... The balance is there. <laughs> I was really afraid I would fall over because these boots give me like two inches of height. Um, but that just made me feel very powerful. And like, you did a lot of she-wolf work. Yes, the the classic she-wolf when she goes all the way back. Not as well as Shakira did, but um, that was fun. Being two inches taller would change everything. Me too. I know. I wish I hadn't stunned, stunned my growth out of... Uh trauma in middle school but anyways i guess that's for a different a podcast thing? did i do that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, it's mm. to investigate. so who are you listening to now who do you recommend we listen to because you usually have very good recommendations for me in terms of music um i mean like when i listen to my listen on my own it's very i like listen to album like, just wear the shit out of yeah. an album. Um, and that's more lyrical stuff. 
So I'm loving Caroline Polachek. Oh, okay. I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't think I'm, like, very original in terms of my listening, like, my daily listening. I think I'm a very specific gay, <laughs> like, or general gay and competitorous. Charlie XCX is on the rotation. Kind of that milieu. FK Twigs. Uh-huh. Ugh. That album's so good. The Caroline album Lana. is real Caroline good. is And so her good. videos. Yeah. Wild. True art. <laughs> True art and also, like, I know that everyone in the millennial generation wants to be like, I'm kind of a dork. I'm a weirdo. But she's actually a freak. She's yeah. actually, like, but touched one of the in the best way. Glamorous freak. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Stunning. Yeah, and it's like, why can't comedians be like that? <laughs> Sort of what I'm saying is, like, why can't we be fun, creative director, art director? Mm-hmm. I think it's moving towards that. I do, too. Because um, you have to, like, get through the noise. And I would like to think that... Well, I think there are people who, are like, are just very good comedians, and it's all about the material. But also there's some people like me who just need a little bit... I think I'm good, but it does help to be a little bit more multi-hyphenate. Yes. <laughs> to be in control of it. But also, um, I do think, like, you can see things thematically and archetypally, and, like, that vision shouldn't be ignored for the sake of some, like, um, some reductivist idea about, like, what a comedian should be. Yeah. Like, if you're able to envision a show or a concept, like, you should, that actually does behoove you rather than being, like, an 80-year-old stand-up who only does stand-up. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, I just don't think, I don't think I, like, want to be, like, a comedian on the road, really. I mean, the goal, the ultimate goal is, like, writing for TV, but, um... HBO Max. (laughs) HBO Max. And sort of, you know, when you have a show, you gotta, like, there's other elements besides the writing, you know. Uh, A tour. A tour vibes. So you also have the show Internet Explorers at Caveat. Um, extremely online. Ex- Inter- what did I call it? Oh my god, I'm mortified. I confused That's it with Mark. Show. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. They're, They're similar very similar. Theme. I'm so sorry. When we were that. pitching it, they were like, "There's another show about the internet." I'm like, "Well, guess what? The internet is very expensive, and we can go <laughs> all over the place." <laughs> I have news for you. I have news for you. <laughs> um, yeah. So extremely online is at Caveat. Um, it is possibly the dumbest show, a caveat, <laughs> but we do learn some things, such as cats can have a little less salami, um, because it's, it's a show about, um, we sort of evaluate memes and like viral trends and we just give everyone like a monthly lowdown to like make sure they know all that happened on the internet. Um, Incidentally hosted by two queers. Two queers, um, Kendall Payne and I, um, we both work together on a social media account for an entertainment company that sort of, we're in, we're in that, um, on Twitter, um, looking up trends and stuff all day. So it was sort of like a natural, like, what if we took all of this, like, stupid knowledge that we have and we funnel it into a show, um, and it's really fun, um. We do roundups, and then we have, like, comedians just do the regular sets, and then we play a game at the end where we watch TikToks and sort of hold counsel, (laughs) whether they benefit the world or not. (laughs) 
I love holding court. I love councils. <laughs> oh, yeah. We love. I think that's, like, one of the, the most fun things about um, night, like, going out all night is that um, there's, like, the dance space, and then there's the very important, like, back area or, like, outdoor area. Yeah. And, like, that's where you... You're there for, like, four hours just, like, talking to all of your friends. You meet so many people. I think that's, like, kind of also the appeal of um, these those types of parties. Yes, it's the contact over networking. Yeah, which you're is... going really hard for two hours, and you, like, sit down two hours. Hash watch it out. the sun rise. Talking yes. with... <laughs> just talking with people and holding court on a little sofa. And this can happen at a sex party. We've seen it happen at a sex party. <laughs> We've ha- seen it, yeah. <laughs> you can be naked and you can be networking <laughs> in this culture. <laughs> Never stop networking. <laughs> um, okay, so the Minx and Extremely Online are monthly. Yes. Um, which is triumphant to have two monthly shows. Yeah, it was usually within the same week of each other. <laughs> it's it's not been good lately in terms of planning. They have been sort of back to back, and then and and with Unter Acid, and then <laughs> well, things just come up, and like you just gotta power through it. But I think we're gonna get. We were like on trial with Kavya, but now we. Um, starting in the new year, it's every third Wednesday. Yes, so that's we amazing. have a set time, and then now I can work around the other monthly show, which is like whenever we want. <laughs> um, it's at the vault, so they're very they're very accommodating, and most of the shows are drag shows at 10 p.m. So like, yeah, if you want to bring people in at 8 p.m., go all the way off. Go all I the way off. I love the vault. Yeah, I, I love think it it's there. really fun. Um, I think. Something about being underground gives it yeah. a special sort of spice. And we've seen Charlene perform there, so we've kind of been exposed yeah. to the possibilities of what you could be doing mm-hmm. yes. with that space in terms of, you know, hairography. Hairography. Well, stair work. Stair work. <laughs> Thigh work. Yeah. She works a stage like no other. Works a stair like no other. Taking <laughs> notes. I think I think every every drag show deserves a staircase. Oh, yeah. Spiral or otherwise. <laughs> you you take your pick. <laughs> I think it's so sad that there's not enough staircases in this. Um, in the tri-state area. Tri-state area. That is something to look into. Um, so where can we follow you? Um, you can follow me at Ben Leary, L-E-A-R-Y-Y, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, well done. Yes. Um, great. Um, thank you for being uh, here. Of course, sort of <laughs> popping in. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This this is my second podcast ever. Um, really? Yeah. So I was a little bit nervous, but oh very no. Fun. Yeah. I mean, just so you know, usually for time out, I do the comedians to watch list, and this year I don't think they're letting me do it. But you would have been in the in it. You, I, I had the picks. You are one of them. Oh my god. So, anyways, okay, well, you are a comedian to watch now. <laughs> Can on you, a free can podcast. Can like, make a graphic of that so I can sort of, like, put that in the story? <laughs> Get some goddamn respect around here. Around this town. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode of The Luminaries, let me know. Give me a five-star rating on iTunes. Write a glowing encomium. Share it on your Instagram stories. Email it to your Aunt Joan. 
help make this series bigger and better with every episode. Thank you for listening, and let's grow together. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.